to a podcast greater than yourself, season four. Do you have an idea for an episode or a question about sobriety, spirituality, 12 steps, or sponsorship? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. Yeah, I bought a I bought a book of uh, like jokes uh, that I'll be inserting at various points. You know, <laughs> jokes jokes from the joke books from the fifties. So yeah. okay, so he trying he'll, out new material. He'll be the the old timer at the nooner meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can oh, grapevine brownie. I've had grapevine. Great- <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Time to get serious. No more jokes. <laughs> Serious stuff. <laughs> All right, welcome to the first ever meeting of the front porch of your heart group. <laughs> Pause for laughter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my name is John Barleycorn. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, John. Hi, John. 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 We love you, John. <laughs> <laughs> we are an informal group of alcoholics and drug addicts who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we are presenting the meeting in podcast form for anyone interested in 12-step recovery. I have now asked the lovely Sylvia... To read an excerpt adapted from the original AA preamble. Thanks, John. Hi, I'm Sylvia, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sylvia. 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 Hi, Sylvia. The simple purpose of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is to show what may be done to enlist the aid of a power greater than ourselves, regardless of what our individual conception of that power may be. There are no dues or fees. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. Each member squares their debt by helping others to recover. We are not interested in sobering up those who are not sincere in their desire to remain sober for all time. Not being reformers, we offer our experience only to those who want it. Whatever is said at this meeting expresses each individual's opinions as of today. We do not speak for any 12-step fellowship as a whole, and you are free to agree or disagree as you see fit. In fact, it is suggested that you pay no attention to anything which might not be reconciled with what is in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks, Sylvia. Thanks, Sylvia. Thanks for letting me be a service. Thanks for your service. Thank you for keeping me sober today. Keep coming back. Uh, (laughs) The format for this meeting is as follows. Each group member will share for up to five minutes on their current experience with a reading from pages 22 to 24 of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Our first share will be from Mrs. Jones, and the co-chair will then call on people with their hands raised until everyone is shared. Um, In order to set the tone for this meeting, I have asked Tony... (laughs) Tony, to, yeah, okay. Tony, to read today's selection, which we will then follow with 
two minutes of silent meditation, which will be great on a podcast. Um, <laughs> followed by the serenity prayer. Tony, take it away. Thanks, John. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony S., and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Tony. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. These observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. If you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. And sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really makes sense in light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. They sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. Once in a while, he may tell the truth. And the truth, strange to say usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. Some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time, but in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. There is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they are down for the count. How true this is, few realize. In a vague way, their families and friends sense that these drinkers are abnormal, but everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will rouse himself from his lethargy and assert his power of will. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. He has lost control. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. Thanks for letting me read. Absolutely. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. 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 That's the best reading Tony. voice ever. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. So now we're going to do two-minute silent meditation, followed by the serenity prayer and our first share. Serenity prayer. Oh, God. 
God. God. Uh, grant me the serenity. Uh, uh, grant me the serenity. Grant us the serenity. Thank some things we cannot. Prefer to change the things we can. And the wisdom. We're not doing the long form. That's cool. I forgot to introduce that by saying, and now the cacophonous ridiculousness of everyone trying to do the serenity prayer. And do we want to credit the author? The author yes, of the please, serenity prayer, we need, please. We, we need to. Yeah, I, I feel think, that's something uh, that we need to do. Yeah. I think Barack O is in the waiting room. If someone wants to let him in, um, and with that, <laughs> let's introduce our lead share, Mrs. Jones. I forgot the fake name for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John and Sylvia and Tony. Um, my name is Mrs. Jones. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Mrs. Jones. Hi, Mrs. Jones. Hi, Mrs. Jones. Hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> I love that part. I love that part. I really do. I really do. Um, oh, man. There's And I know you only asked me to share first so that I can't crosstalk. Well played. <laughs> um, but, but no, in all seriousness, like these are, these passages are so important and, um, destroys a lot of the misconceptions I had about why I drank. You know, I thought that my my reasons made sense. My alibis made sense. Like, it says some of these excuses have a certain plausibility. Like, I, towards the end of my drinking, um, like the last six months or so, I did therapy trying to just not drink. And every week, I, I would have, like... I failed at whatever plan we put in place, you know, so that I wouldn't drink. And she'd ask me like, well, why did you drink? And I'd be like, um, my boss was a jerk. Like, I don't even, I don't even know anymore. You know, like my excuses stopped making sense to me. And the therapist would try applying logic and reason. And I could think logically and apply reason in other areas of my life. But when it came to drinking, it it just it stopped making sense and the truth was that i had no idea why i took that first drink you know any more than anyone else and seeing how ridiculous and illogical my drinking was um finally uh, convinced me to come into the rooms of alcoholics anonymous because i i no defense against that first drink I couldn't just not drink no matter what. Even knowing that the first drink leads to a shit show didn't stop me from picking up that first drink. Um, I had lost the power of choice long before I realized it. And I don't believe that the power of choice comes back, um, but I've been restored to sanity. And so it, it would be an insane action to pick up that first drink just as it would be an insane action to touch the hot stove. And I don't have to like talk my way through not touching a hot stove or avoid the kitchen and it's the same way with alcohol like i'm not um i'm not avoiding being near it but i'm not putting it in my body anymore um because my defense comes from a higher power and um profoundly grateful for that 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 this works this book hasn't steered me wrong um and with that I'll take another 24. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Jones. Thanks, Mrs. Jones. All right, folks, let's get some, let's get some raised hands up there. Uh, who wants to claim their claim their square for the day? Uh, let's see. First, we have Karen, of course. Karen, come on through. 
Hi, friends. Grateful, grateful, recovering alcoholic. <laughs> Karen. Hi, Karen. My name is Karen. Hi, Karen. Karen. Uh, Hi, Karen. 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 First of all, Tony needs to record the entire big book in yeah. that voice. Right? From Kevin. Yeah. Holy moly. Thank I you. I felt it in my bones. That was beautiful. Um, this still levels me today, this reading. It levels me when it comes to this, this illness. I am um, continuously reminded that it's not me who's who's keeping me sober um one of the things that i heard and some of you guys first of all this is a room okay. full of so my most shot. i can't get the one that i was using to <laughs> <laughs> somebody please mute someone's gonna be talking to their kids it's a it's all good. It's, this is a room full of some of my favorite people in the whole world. I freaking love you guys so much. Um, yeah, uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. That totally threw me off. That's cool. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. So when I first came, when I when I first went to like AA in person meetings on my own, like hoping that the meeting was canceled or something and I didn't have to walk in like terrified just like I really don't want to do this some of you guys have heard this before um you know I'd, I'd pick up a lot of 24-hour chips I've, I've thrown every single one out I don't I don't have any um but that's what you did that's what I thought you did right you just you pick up a chip and you listen to some old dude talk and and then you, you, you go back and you, you do the same thing again. And my experience was that um, the messages that I got, and I know it's been covered on this podcast before, were just don't drink and go to meetings. Hmm. And I remember feeling extremely, extremely frustrated by people telling me to just not drink because I, I literally didn't know how to do that. And I, I didn't have an explanation for it and no one was giving me an explanation. <laughs> there's something happening in the chat that I'm avoiding looking at right now. <laughs> I know there's something going on. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, and then when I finally found someone who approached me, someone who had recovered, uh, well, they, I guess they found me cause that's, that's really, what we're we're asked to do here in this program is go seek out that that person who's still sick and suffering. Um, someone did that for me. Finally, I'm talking like a couple of years into me going, you know, it being in and out of these meetings, um, and they showed me the solution that's outlined in this book, and we read through this this exact part and i remember especially 24 and 25 those those pages are like two of my favorite pages in the whole book mm. um it just like it leveled me like it leveled me like like you a building gets leveled you know like i was just like this explains all the stuff that i was like dying to know that i was dying to understand but didn't even realize there was an answer and no one was giving it to me. 
and I don't, I'm, you know, it's not about like judging the people who are at those meetings. Like people know what they know, but I don't want to be one of those people. I'm so grateful. Um, I write my gratitude lists every morning and every night. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. Um, but I am unbelievably grateful that I understand step one today and that I'm able to explain step one to people who don't understand it. Still shit going on in the chat. I'm not looking. I'm looking at John's face and he's reading something. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> formal amends will happen after the meeting. <laughs> um, and I just, um, I just lost an, an, an AirPod. Um, I didn't realize that I didn't have a choice. That's the bottom line. I didn't realize that I didn't have a choice. I thought that um, playing the tape through or going to a meeting, like something would magically happen where I'd either be able to control my drinking or I just wouldn't want to drink anymore. Um, and that, that just, you know, that went on for like, it was agonizing and, and went on and on and on. And then all someone had to do in like less than 90 days, someone took me through this book, through, through these steps um and and i recovered and i had a spiritual awakening and now the most important fucking thing in my life is my higher power and that relationship and being able to to carry the message of recovery this this solution in this book to other people it's it's beautiful um i'm gonna read the chat now i'll catch up and whoever's <laughs> next i'm gonna fuck with you bad um, <laughs> thank you so much for uh thank you, thank you for uh thanks sharing. karen thanks karen. Karen. Thank thanks karen. Karen. thanks karen uh all right um i thanks, had my karen. hand raised but since i was the one principally guilty of <laughs> fucking around in the chat uh i'll actually call thanks, someone karen. else oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Leia, I don't even know where Leia, I came from. Leia, come on through. Oh, me? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do have my hand raised. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, hi, I'm Leia. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Leia. Hi, Leia. Hi, Leia. Hi, Leia. Hi, Leia. Hey, friends. What's up? Um, hey, Leia. <laughs> What's up? What's up? From, like, from the end of the room. Um... <clears throat> I was thinking of two things. Hi, Leia. Um, <laughs> I did not expect that. Um, where it says, <clears throat> these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. Um, I was in AA, like going to, uh, to meetings every day for a few months. And this is the part where I was stuck in because mm. I was like, okay, so the main point here is not to take that first drink, right? So that's that's the thing. This is where we're, that's the focus. This is what AA is, not taking that first drink and just, and you know, the 24 hours, one day at a time thing. And so after a few months, I <laughs> just really wanted to claw my eyes out. I was climbing the walls. I just, I, uh, I had no idea what I was doing wrong. I had no idea what the program was. People seemed to understand it. People seemed to be, you know, like doing it right. And I remember asking people what this program was. And this was part of it. 
just not taking that first drink and then all this other thing you know like talking talking to people and gratitude lists and um journaling uh which uh i tried to do to the best of my ability thinking that that was the program and i was just defective you know i was part of those constitutionally incapable people mm. who just would not you know that this mm. wasn't for me but like i had no idea where to turn to and in the meantime things were just getting worse i mean i was just spiraling down not knowing what to do and so when <clears throat> finally i sat down with uh someone who took me through the big book and we um and we got to this paragraph where, you know, it says um, the fact that most alcoholic have lost um, alcoholics have lost the choice of power, uh, the the power of choice in drink, and that last sentence, we are without defense against that first drink. That's when it started making sense. It was like, okay, all the rest of this that I have been hearing is just academic. It's it's theory. It, it doesn't apply to what I'm going through, and I didn't understand why. So when I got this part, like I am without defense against that first drink. That was when it just clicked into, you know, into place. And that's what sort of propelled me into following with um, the other steps. So uh, when I started uh, going over the steps with uh, sponsees, this was one of the paragraphs uh, which we, which I would always read at the beginning saying listen this is like don't get sidetracked <laughs> what you hear people say not taking that first drink is just part of of a much bigger picture that as a real alcoholic you will need to see and that and like the other part is that you're de without defense against that first drink so just please <laughs> let's go to step two now <laughs> and it will unravel um because the best thing about this is that it's well, of course, that it's free, <laughs> but it's available for everyone. Anyone who goes through the steps by the big book will get this, um, the solution. They will get the what, what, the, what the promises, the different promises across the book um, give us. So, yeah, that's all I have. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Leah. Leah. Thank you. Leah. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Uh, and now in an act of supreme humility, I will call on myself. Um, <laughs> just what you've all come to expect. Um, so I'm Tony, uh, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Yo, Tony! 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 Tony. Hey. Hey. What's up? What's up? Hi, Tony. Hey, Tony. Um, hi. Hey, Tony. <laughs> okay. Tony. <laughs> Tony, is it? <laughs> this is worse than the chat. Um, I'm sharing the message here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, in a way that's hard to, bring in my, hard to bring into my tone of voice at the moment, reading this passage actually does give me, give me uh, chills. Um, because this is a passage that, you know, I had read... I don't know how many times um, before I recovered and before I really commenced to try to recover. And I'd read it a bunch of times and I think I didn't really believe that it was like literally true, right? It read as the kind of thing that's maybe, you know, overstatement for effect um, or, you know, just kind of, you know, like 
true in its tone, but not but not literally true. Right. And I think the reason that I didn't believe that was because uh, until the point where I actually tried and wanted to stop drinking with all my heart and discovered that I literally couldn't. I had no basis to evaluate this because I spent a long time sort of, you know, in AA, um, knowing that I had like a problem with drinking, but not really wanting to stop. Right. Like I was like that guy that's described, I think the chapter to wives that like w- I wanted to want to stop, but I didn't really. And so every time I'd started drinking again after that, uh, I sort of had a, you know, perfectly sufficient explanation, which is, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to stop. And I was glad for the opportunity to start again and kind of, you know, I thought get away with it or whatever. And so that kind of just, I just breezed by this. Right. But then I had this experience of truly wanting to stop drinking, not just needing to, but really wanting to with all my heart and having seemingly everything in my life arranged to support that decision, having supportive family, having supportive friends, having good career reasons to do this, having very good family reasons uh, to do this, having nothing wrong going on in my life that I could sort of blame or point to, nothing. Everything, you know, it was like a just clear day, um, not a cloud in the sky. And I remember very vividly the sense of sitting on my couch and realizing Oh my God! I'm going to. I'm about to go down to the grocery store, and I'm going to get drunk again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to. With all of my heart, I started crying, sitting on my couch because I didn't want to so much. And then I got up and I did it anyway, mm-hmm. right? And I started a bender that lasted uh, for weeks. And that was when I went from feeling like sort of irresponsible or like I was a screw up, or maybe I should just take this stuff more seriously, which is always how I kind of felt before. Right. That if this really mattered to me, I would try harder. And it's fair because before I'm not sure I was trying all that hard. But when I had this experience of trying of, of and, I, and I was kind of, you know, I was like as happy as a sort of untreated, um, unrecovered alcoholic can get in, you know, a dry state. Um, when I found myself just wiped out like it was nothing. And, and I mean, it didn't take 15 minutes. It didn't take 15 minutes from that point when I was just sitting around, not even thinking about it to you know, on the way to the grocery store, uh, I went from feeling irresponsible or like a fuck up to feeling profoundly scared. Right. I was, mm. I was terrified because of how easy it had been. And then, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I've gotten pretty far along in this. So my benders don't last for like one night. They don't last for like one week. Right. They go on and on and on and on and on. And I was, I was just scared shitless. And that is when that's kind of what I think of as my real first step experience. That's when my education in my powerlessness was complete, when I had mustered everything and really wanted it and discovered not only could I not do it, but I wasn't even one of those people who could hang on, you know, being dry for like weeks or months. It was like the instant um, a strong temptation and not even really a temptation. It's like one of those things that it's hard to describe to a normal person, but I know I don't have to describe to any of you. And I was just I was just wiped out and it scared me. And that drove me into the arms of this program uh, with with like the terror of a drowning man. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm glad it did, because uh, that's what enabled me to finally recover is when I finally really understood, like, no, I'll never be able to try hard enough to do this on my own. So Mm -hmm. that's what I've got. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Uh, 
Thanks, Tony. Eddie, what was what that? Was that? <laughs> I'm only what half Eddie, but yeah. Um, all right, next, uh, due to the Zoom format, I think that uh, we have either John or Sylvia, uh, but I can't remember who. It's okay, so it's John. Great. I'll go, yes. <clears throat> Hi, family. John Barleycorn, alcoholic. <laughs> Try it out the family thing. I've never done it before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you all. How cool. Um, this, I can, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm speaking just for myself. Maybe some other people would disagree, but. Um, I disagree. Uh, Sylvia's out on this one. But, um, <laughs> he hasn't even said it. He can't even this is 100%. <laughs> The only meeting I've ever been in where uh, it's like a fucking murderer's row. Every single person here I would send a newcomer to for responsibly taking them through the 12 steps. Every single one of you. So that's uh, gives gives me goosebumps. It's awesome. So cool. Thank you guys for all joining us for this. Um, I love <laughs> I, I love uh, I love this place in the Mrs. book. Joan said something. <laughs> It's, it's one of those places in the book where it takes a turn, um, and I really like it because, you know, obviously this is like the, well, we get to the, you know, the crux of the problem or whatever, but um, I, uh, Leia was mentioning how, like, there's so much focus put on this, like, avoiding the drink, right? Um, I like how the reading starts with saying that, you know, so long as I'm not drinking alcohol... Uh, I may, you know, I being the alcoholic, I may act pretty normal, you know, I might, I might be kind of a dumb fuck or I might be like the smartest fucking dude in the room. Who knows? Right. Um, point is we're really narrowing it down, um, to the two symptoms that we're talking about and why I think that's so important is that, you know, w there are tons and tons of people who've had. I guess, you know, problems around alcohol, right? Um, and if if those people are presented with um, neither of these symptoms that we're talking about in this reading, but the symptom of, you know, kind of being, like, bummed out all the time and the page 52 stuff, like, depression, anxiety, sense of uselessness, all that stuff, but we're not going into your physical... And mental reaction to alcohol and sobriety um, we're not really qualifying them for AA membership or for drug addicts anonymous membership you know it's it's not what we're looking at we're looking at well do you suffer from the human condition you know um, I may be normal in every other respect except for where it comes to my reaction to drugs and alcohol um, and I know that there's plenty of people in this meeting who had great success in like various areas of their life, right? In vastly different areas of their life. There's like super type A people in this meeting and there's like super quirky, eclectic personalities in this meeting. Um, very creative types, very by the book, mathematically thinking types. Um, but what we all have in common is the two things that we're talking about in this reading. Um, the other part that I really, really like in this is that experience that I have in sponsorship when we're reviewing this part of the book, 
you know, where we take this turn from looking at mainly the physical reaction to alcohol to looking at the mental state that precedes the first drink. Um, the experience that I have often over and over again with people who, like Leah was talking about, um, like myself, who had the experience of going to meetings and being told basically the same thing that my mom told me my whole life, which is like, hey, don't drink. <laughs> like, you, know, you, you act like an idiot when you drink. Um, I would say probably all of us had the experience of hearing that at a meeting and going, why the fuck do you think I'm here if I, like, do you think I didn't try to stop <laughs> drinking before I got here? Like, this is my first thing, like the first thing on my list. Yeah, I'll just go to AA. Um, but the experience that I have um, in, in, in a first step conversation often boils down to getting to this truth with someone and seeing if they can relate with it. And then putting it in simple terms of um, every time I relapse, I'm sober. My sober mind takes me back to drinking alcohol. That's what my sober mind does, right? Um, and the fact of my life presents evidence to the contrary of this just don't drink thing. The fact of my drinking experience and my experience with abstinence shows no matter what, I will drink alcohol. One day at a time, one week at a time, whatever it is, I will drink no matter what. So the experience that I had in seeing that truth written in a book as clearly as it is um, was absolutely transformational for me because I had had this huge block in trying to access any other sort of solution I was offered because I didn't understand what the problem was. And if I don't know what the problem actually is, all of that is, like the reading says, academic and pointless. It doesn't matter if I'm looking at the wrong problem. If I'm trying to apply solution after solution, I'm not trying to solve the right problem, right? Uh, that's it for me. Thank you for letting me share family. <laughs> Thanks, John. 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 Keep coming thanks. back. Keep thanks, I will. Stay after for pro numbers. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Papa John. <laughs> Love your pizza. Uh, all right. Thank next you, one. You're, you're in the right place. Brock. <laughs> Brock, how many distortion <laughs> pedals do you have on your microphone? <laughs> oh, my uh, be clear. <laughs> Um, all right. Next we have, uh, we have Ted. Love your talks, man. Glad you're here. Did I didn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure I was next. Hello. I'm Ted. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, hey, Ted. Ted. Hi, Senator. Was that it? You guys don't have it anymore. Thank you. Okay. We love you, Ted. <laughs> you're okay. eligible too, Ted. <laughs> I'm spiraling here, you guys. Uh, this okay. is supposed to be a safe place. Hi, Ted. We call him Beautiful Ted. And that's still five minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Thanks Ted. Ted. This has been great. I want to thank each and every one of you. Um, the thing I really wanted to talk about with Tony, I'll piggyback off of Tony's point, which is um, I remember the obsession piece being so um, 
so like insidious and subtle that if you that you can be asked like hey have you been trying you know those two questions on 44 and one of them is like when you're trying to stop drinking are you able to honor your commitment not to stop and i remember being asked that and being like no i'm cool i've never really tried to stop drinking because like my natural first response to that like i was so delusional was like no you know i've never really tried like tony talked about like yeah there's all you know well, the the thing that happened to me is I would just change my mind, and it didn't feel like I was unable to honor a commitment. It, it felt like I was changing my mind, like a, mm. a reasonable mm. excuse had come up, and therefore I had decided that I did not need to drink to stop drinking. But I did that every day, or I did that multiple times a day, or you know I would hang on until, or or better yet, I would resolve to quit drinking because I would acknowledge how fucked I was. But the only time that ever happened when I was already fully drunk, and like. It's the safest place in the world to swear off drinking forever mm. when you're currently inebriated <laughs> or high. Right? That's, um, be challenging to. That's why this, all this particularly step one requires such a high level of like. You have to. I as a sponsor cannot answer these questions for another person because they they have to honestly look at them and they might not be able to honestly look at them on a monday um it, they might be able to on a tuesday i don't know and it might take like tony said it might take um a couple more rounds like in the blender before you realize like fuck i really can't do this because if if you think even subconsciously which i think a lot of people do especially newcomers that this is a problem of control and that there's there i am unworthy or somehow bad because i'm unable to control this thing you're gonna have a really really hard time mm -hmm. and i hear people all the time who i'm working with who they're nodding they're sh nodding so fucking hard when you're talking about step one stuff but then they start talking and they say this thing like yeah i mean i just gotta work harder i just gotta double down mm -hmm. um <laughs> You know, or my friend relapsed, he didn't want it bad enough. And I'm like, well, you, oh, shit. It's Ugh. not that they don't want to get it. It's that they've been they so pull up hard on meetings. Wired. Yeah, they're maybe they're brainwashed up by meetings, or maybe it's just, it's kind of like our culture, right? It's like, I will mm. work harder. I mm. will figure this out. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a bad time if, <laughs> if that's, um, if that's your operating mode. Like, you have to kind of set that idea down. There's a lot of ideas you have to set down, but that is a big one. Um, and anyway, I wanted to thank Roland for interrupting his uh, robbery of a house. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the closet for some reason. I'm just gonna... <laughs> and uh, oh that I will pass. Uh, okay. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Um, all right. Next, uh, I think we do have uh, Roland is up next. Uh, so you can interrupt your uh, robbing of your sponsor, Carl J's house. Let us, let us know what's up. I do. I have a second. I have a second here in between mid robbery to uh, to, to share. So it's been great you? so far. Oh, yeah. My name's Roland. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Roland. Hey, Roland. Hey, Roland. Hey, Roland. Hey, Roland. And um, home. thank you guys. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> home. I love Sorry. this passage. I love the uh, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. Um, I think this was, 
an important passage for me to read uh, when I finally got sober because it was um, something that my sponsor took me to. And uh, I, I had been in, you know, eight years of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings before this that preached the direct opposite of that passage. Mm. And the, the messaging that I had received for a long time was like, basically double down on your willpower. You're just not trying hard enough. You know, let's, let's tweak your, your program, you know, quote unquote, to, uh, allow you to stay sober. So it became avoidance. It became trying to, um, control triggers. It became just don't drink no matter what it became. Stop hanging out with old friends, come and hang out in the meetings and make all your friends here. You know, it became date in the rooms. It became all of these other things that, that, go directly against that. It became most importantly, play your tape back. Um, that was a, a hefty one in my area of the country where they would talk about, well, if you just remember the consequence of your last drink, that'll be enough to get you through the, to the, you know, through this obsession to drink. And I held mm. dear, I held, I held that deer for a really long time thinking that like, Oh shit, last time I drank, I, I went to jail. You know, I'm not a jail guy, but I, I got arrested. Like last time my girlfriend left me, she walked out and told me how pathetic I was, you know, and even with the memory of all of that stuff, it wasn't enough. You know, the way that I, I, I like to look at it is it's, it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like a bench press in the beginning. Um, it feels light, you know, the avoidance of this obsession. it feels light to do this bench press. Uh, but slowly over time, it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and then i can't push it up anymore and that's the same way it feel it was it was like pushing up the uh, the obsession to drink in the beginning when i would first come out of a detox i would have this commitment to myself not to drink anymore and i would push that thought of a drink away and it would be easy i would go no way i'm doing that i can remember what happened last time absolutely i'm not going to do that but you know fast forward a couple weeks and then it gets a little heavier to push that thought away and i'm going no, I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink. And then fast forward two weeks after that, and it becomes even heavier. And eventually I've maxed out and I can't push the thought off anymore. And eventually the thought of a drink overtakes me. And like Senator Ted C said, I've maxed out and I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't push it. And it feels like I've just changed my mind. It feels like I go, actually, you know what? I do want to drink, mm. you know, and I'm going to drink and here's how it'll be different. You know, um, but uh, there were the other times where I, I absolutely, with every fiber of my being, didn't want to drink. But I found myself in a car driving to the liquor store, knowing exactly what's going to happen. But it didn't matter. You know, I would drink. And that's, and that's the, ultimately uh, what I came to was I, that's my step one experience is, is recognizing that I can't follow through with that commitment to, to never drink again or to drink or not drink in the next 10 minutes, you know. Um, the really frustrating thing was the messaging I received in meetings that um, it made me feel stupid, you know, and dejected as if um, I hadn't been attempting hard enough. Uh, but it took a sponsor taking me to these passages in the book and, and describing what true powerlessness looks like with his experience as well as what the words say in our literature and, and saying, basically, does this line up with your experience and is this what your life looks like? And it's like, absolutely. But the problem was I really just hadn't been directed to the book before. Um, I just thought sobriety happened as a result of taking pointers and meetings. And, uh, and that just isn't the case. You know, we, we have a program in Alcoholics Anonymous in our book, in the literature that, that clearly 
shows us exactly how we get recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once I was shown how to do that, then all of a sudden that obsession was removed. Like I, I don't live that life pushing away a drink, pushing or the thought of a drink. It, it doesn't exist for me. And the only time I ever really think about drinking uh, or alcohol is when I'm talking to a newcomer and, and sharing with them how I got beyond this point of uh, absolute powerlessness over it. So that's that's the thought that I had. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Roland. Thanks, Roland. Yeah, I'm, I'm like really strong, so that bench press analogy really <laughs> for me as yeah, well. Relatable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Next, we have uh, we have Boozy from Gen Z. Come on. Oh, yeah. Boo. 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 Boozy. Good group. Um, I love those two pages, Tony, that you read, or three, however many. I wanted to point out the very bottom of page 24. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop but cannot. And then the next sentence, there is a solution. Mm-hmm. And today I was with a guy that has 30 days. He picked up his 30-day chip at a meeting, which I still go to. I, I like that community. And we went to lunch afterwards and he was talking about how he is really bumping up against step two. He's having a hard time meditating. He just can't get it. He wakes up. His mind is just like the chatter all the time and throughout the day. And the only time he gets any rest is at night. And he wonders, you know, how's this thing? How, why isn't it working for me? And what he doesn't understand is he's at the beginning of these simple instructions mm-hmm. and how things change so drastically when you finish and when you begin to share it with somebody else. He doesn't have that experience yet. He hasn't had the psychic change. He hasn't felt that feeling where you realize, wow, I haven't had the obsession now for so long. And my God, I was able to help somebody today who might get it in the future. That feeling that is still out there for him has not been accepted by him yet. He can't even imagine it yet. All he can imagine is that he's had this slight obsession session removed. He doesn't know if it'll come back, but he still feels resentful. He doesn't know why he hasn't done the fourth step. He still feels shame. He doesn't know why he hasn't done the ninth step yet. And he certainly hasn't mm-hmm. gotten 10 and 11 on a day in, day out basis. So it's working with people to get us to realize all the amazing things that are going on around each other, especially those that haven't gotten it yet. And we just have to, we've got to steward them and guide them through until they felt that same spiritual we have. And I just wanted to point that out. I can't wait to hear what the rest of you have to say. Thanks. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Thanks, that's why this guy's my boo. Uh, <laughs> folks, <laughs> I'm talking about slang here. Uh, okay, so next we have Max C. Come on through. Max C. Oh, hello, nope. everybody. Nope. My name is Max C. My name is Max C. I'm an alcoholic. Max C. Max Max C. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Um, I'm glad that everybody's here. This is really cool. Um, so one thing I just wanted to touch on, and it had already been briefly touched on before, um, but where it says we are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory uh, of the suffering and humili- humiliation of even a week and a month ago, we are without the uh, defense against the first drink. And 
um, you know, that was definitely my experience. And, you know, I, I keep coming back to this one part and it just says with sufficient force, which to me that says like with other things in my life, I was able to, you know, if something was, was painful enough, I'm able to change course, but with something with, with alcohol, um, you know, when there was enough suffering and humiliation, um, no matter how bad it was and in the moment and how badly I wanted to be done and how badly, um, you know, I was ready. Um, it was only a matter of time before I just, you know, decided that it's not actually that bad. And that was really scary to me because, you know, all those times that I wanted to stop and I knew I was going to drink, you know, it'd be the afternoon at work and I'm about to, you know, I'm, I, I know it's, a, I know I'm going to drink, right? Like it's, it's going to happen, even though I'm telling myself, like, why don't you just not do it tonight? You could just hang out at home and not do it. And there's that part of me that's taking over that's saying, nope, I'm going to do it. And I didn't understand that that was alcoholism. I was confused. And I just thought, you know, maybe I'm just weak. I'm a loser. I'm pathetic. And I used to blame myself all the time for all of my, you know, my sprees. And I'd, I'd wake up and just be, did it again. You're a fucking idiot. Like, and, and I would just shut my mouth and, and just, you know, I'd be thinking these things, but I would just be shutting my mouth and just try to go about my day knowing that, you know, I did it again. Right. And I didn't understand that I had this allergy. I didn't understand that when I drank, I kept doing it. I always thought that, you know, I'm, I'm in control here, but I'm doing it because I don't know, I hate myself or something. I don't know. It was, it was very confusing. So, you know, when I came into AA and I, and I, you know, learn about what alcoholism was or is it, that's, that was just so eye opening to me because nobody sat me down and explained that to me. And I never talked about that kind of stuff before. Um, and so, you know, it was just such a, it was such an experience for me to really um, see other people who, you know, they would talk about their experience and I would relate to that, you know, and then I realized like, this is really where I need to be because if I'm going to continue on my life, um, trying to do this on my own, like I know I'm going to fail and I know I'm going to continue to drink. And there was a, a part, uh, sorry, there was a time in my life where I had realized like, you know, I'm just going to do this. And if I die, I die. Um, you know, I don't want to die, but it, I, I'm not going to be able to stop. So there's really no other option here. And so, um, you know, and, and it just continued that like that until, like I said, like I came in and I did the work. And unfortunately uh, for me, you know, I had done the steps through worksheets the first time and it was incredibly confusing and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, cause I'm like asking myself these questions in this worksheet and it, it really confused me. Um, but you know, I was able to eventually, uh, get connected to God, um, through a different sponsor and, uh, really be able to kind of push away all the prejudice I had about what God is or what God isn't. And, um, at least be opened up to that power that I didn't know I even needed, um, because, um, you know, it just, it, it scared me. Everything scared me. I, you know, I was always full of fear, um, no matter what. And, you know, I'm just, I, I truly am grateful to be sober. Um, and in a non corny sense, but, um, with that, you know, I am grateful to be sober and, uh, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Max. Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Max. You're worth it.
worth it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Stone. Worth it. These, these used to be men. Now it's Max. We love Max. Uh, okay. Now next we've got so next dumb. we've got uh, <laughs> Matt. Uh, next we've got uh, AA Mythbuster, who I sometimes call Busta. Come on, in, Busta. <laughs> Busta. Hi, everybody. My name is AA Mythbuster, and I am an alcoholic. Um, I wasn't going to share, but my sponsor tells me that I need to participate in my sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) I will share. Um, yeah, I mean, everything everybody else said is awesome. And, um, I got to hold on. I got to take one of these headphones out. Is there, is there a background? Okay. Whatever. We're just going to go for it. Um, Enough so, with the feedback. <laughs> um, you know, like everybody else said, I, my experience has been to, um, you know, coming in and out of AA, um, thinking like, what is wrong with me? And um, I thought, you know, when it talks about like the main problem centering in my mind rather than in my body. And to me, um, that means that like, you know, I thought if I just put alcohol down and drugs, then everything will be fine. Like I'll get better, you know? And, um, in my experience, because I am a real alcoholic, I put that down and I get worse. And because I I still have an alcoholic mind and, um, that is what the steps deal with is the alcoholic mind. Um, and I think too, like when it talks about, um, you know, making excuses as to why we drank or whatever. And, um, I know, you know, when I would come in and out of AA or I would go to a meeting and I would drink on the way home or, um, whatever my mom would say, like, Busta, why, why do you do this? (laughs) (laughs) And I would say, well, I would give her some reason, you know, some reason that sounded good, but like, sometimes it was like, I honestly don't know. The thought came into my mind and, um, you know, I just did it. So, um, in the column next to that, um, italicized paragraph, I have things written there that I'm sure I heard in meetings, like keep it fresh, play the tape through. And I have one of them X'd out and it says like, it doesn't fucking matter, you know, because that is true. Um, you know, that like, I mean, just like everyone else said, um, you know, that, my, I will not think of what's going to happen. Um, if the only thing between me and a drink is me thinking about the consequences, I'm going to drink. Hmm. Um, and you know, I've showed, I've shown that, um, you know, time and time again, and these couple of pages, it's like, by the time I get to page 25 with another person. And when I went through it, like I should be feeling completely fucked by that point, you know, Hmm. that like, nothing I do, um, no amount of willpower that I throw at this, um, am I going to be able to stay stopped, um, for any considerable period of time. Um, and like my willpower will never be enough, you know, um, and just the desire to stop, you know, the, um, cause I, I too would experience like people would say like, AA is not for people who want it or need it. It's for people who want it, you know? And it's just like, I wanted to be sober. So like, that's, bullshit but um you know that like i wanted to be sober and but i i don't know um 
if I was clearly presented with like, what is the solution? Um, and people would say things to me like, why don't you try calling us before you drink? And, um, you know, things like that, that like I would never do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if I want to drink, I'm not going to call somebody to talk me out of that. Um, so I'm so thankful, um, to not be in that alcoholic insanity anymore. And that like the steps work, you know, um, if, I take them as they're laid out because what I, what I have to have is a psychic change. So like when I would give excuses as to why I drank or why I use, um, the book really only gives one reason why people return to drinking and it's like failure to grow spiritually. So I have to have a psychic change, um, or I'm screwed, you know? So that's it. Yeah. Thank Buster. you. Hey, Thanks, Buster. Busty makes me feel good, folks. It's really true. Uh, Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> B from New Zealand. Uh, you're up. Well, fuck. Hi, everyone. <laughs> B from New Zealand. Alcoholic. Hi, B. Hi, B. From New Zealand. What I love is that because half of you have shared already and you've shared absolute facts and you've shared the message and you've brought the book alive. That means I don't have to. I can go totally off on my own weird tangents. Yeah. And the overall average of the shares are still high quality. <laughs> That's how averages work. Exactly. So here goes. Um, I, I think I knew why I drank and did drugs. And that's because abstinence is not for me. Mm. sobriety fucking sucks mm. Mm. and i knew that because i lived that every day sobriety was shit so i can't imagine a scenario where this is happening but just in case if someone is listening to this and they are drinking or using drugs thinking how can 20 people in this room be sober be clean and be laughing and having fun and talking about having a good life well, same. Like, that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> and here's the thing. If it wasn't for a spiritual solution, I would not choose abstinence. Mm. If my choices were to be a dry drunk, hanging on, like, yeah, working hard at my own sobriety and being miserable, and the other choice being drinking myself to death, even today, I would still choose drinking myself to death. It is not a valid option for me just to be abstinent. And the beauty is that we have this other third option. We didn't get to the reading of it, but down the bottom of 25, page 25 explains that, that we can accept spiritual help. And miraculously, like not my undoing, not my plan, not my power, I ended up accepting spiritual help and I get to be here with you fuckers <laughs> and we're all having a laugh and doing dumb jokes and being our loud, obnoxious selves. <laughs> and we are legitimately happy in sobriety because of the secret third option. <laughs> so if you are, if you are struggling and you know that abstinence is not for you, well, fucking same was never an option yeah. for me. Sobriety is misery. We have this other option. I think that's all I want to say. Wow. 
Thanks, man. Love you, fucker. And uh, and some of our jokes are also really good, like my, like uh, you know, thanks, whoever. B. Like mine. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever jokes you guys think that that's true. Of. Uh, uh, all right, next we have Clarence. Go ahead, Clarence. Hey, I'm Clarence. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Clarence. Clarence. What up? Jab, jab on the haters, Clarence. Um, he dabbed for those listening he fully dabbed (laughs) I haven't haven't done that one in a while Um, yeah I mean a lot of great shares so far I mean um, yeah I had like to piggyback off of what was said I I had a, a I knew I could see the allergy and like, this wasn't too much news to me. I kept going to treatment centers and, you know, hearing a thousand, you know, once too many, a thousand's never enough. And, um, I knew exactly what would happen if I picked up and, um, you know, I could add countless examples of like, okay, I would get a bag on Tuesday and this has to last me till Friday or I'm going to be dope sick the next day. And then boom, I'm dope sick the next morning. And like countless times, I just know that once I put it in me, I can't, I can't control. I don't know what's going to happen. And I could see that. And so I made these resolutions to like quit. And, um, you know, you could have put me on a lie detector. I meant it in the bottom of my heart, you know, sitting in family groups, crying, you know, my family crying and me crying and like, it's going to be different this time. I'm really going to do it. And I'd be captain recovery and get out. And then I'm out on a run again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this just kept whittling me down. And, and I didn't understand why, you know, so many people around me, like it seems like most meetings I was going to was this, this kind of lingo we we're talking about of playing the tape through not picking up if you want if you get a craving call your sponsor and like i believe those things for some reason even though i never had any evidence that i never picked up a phone when i when i relapsed i just simply found myself using and drinking and uh i never went to a meeting when i want when i felt like you know because that's the thing is that i truly believe my own lie Mm. and um that's what the, I get out of this reading is like, if I believe my own lie, then why would I pick up the phone and call somebody? Why would I even attempt to play the tape through when I truly think it's going to be different this time? Um, I wouldn't pick up if I didn't think it was going to be different at that time. And so that's what I see and hear now that I, after going through the book and working the steps and mm. seeing that, that that problem does um, center in my mind. And uh, the analogy I like is, let's say I'm allergic to shrimp or something, a shellfish and um, I'm breaking into Kroger in the middle of the night and stealing shrimp and like <laughs> reaching over the glass and I turn around like, Oh, how about over there? And I reach over the glass and grab some shrimp and, and I keep having these anaphylactic shock and going to the hospital. And like, my family's like, do you think you're, you all are going to be like, God, those fucking shrimp, we ought to ban shrimp. You know, <laughs> these shrimp are like killing him. No, like clearly everyone would be like, you're fucking insane, dude. Like you are crazy. Like put, put them in a straight jacket in like the hospital or something. Um, because clearly, uh, he's insane. And so that, that's exactly what this is saying is like, it's not that I'm alert. Who cares about this reaction that I have to drugs and alcohol? It's the very fact that I can't even, you know, I'm obsessed with the very thing that I'm allergic to. And like, Really, it's why they were. That's what they were doing when the book was written. They were putting these people in psych wards and stuff because um, clearly the problem was in the mind. 
Um, and so if the problem's in my mind and I can't control it, I can't choose whether I pick up or not. And I believe my own lie. And I truly think it's going to be different time and time again. And I'm guaranteed to pick up. And, um, I wasn't given that message. I, I had an experience very similar to, to Fred and more about alcoholism where I did sit down with a sponsor, which was the first person to ever tell me, like I had people patting me on the back and like, you can, no matter how miserable I was, no matter saying like, I know I'm going to use again. Cause I knew what was happening to me. I just hadn't read it in this book yet. But then a sponsor pointed it out and said, Hey, guess what? No, you don't got it. You don't have this thing. You are going to pick up again. Um, and that freaked me out. And, and even with that knowledge, even with that information, I still went out and picked up again. And that's when I finally had this first step experience of just like Fred. Uh, I love that line. It says they, they, they asked if I was, um, believed myself an alcoholic on page 42 if i believed myself an alcoholic and if i was really licked this time i had to uh concede both propositions so of these both propositions is that i have these symptoms and i'm fucked like i'm powerless i'm hopeless i'm obsessed with the very thing i'm allergic to and therefore i will drink again um and that's when i finally you know have my first step experience and um, I think I'm rambling a little bit, but to try to wrap it up quickly is if that's my problem, then I need a psychological change and, um, I need a change in my thinking. Um, and I can't bring that about on my own and, um, there's no medicine that's going to do that. And, and that's what the 12 steps are designed to do. They're going to change up and switch around the way my mind works so that I don't obsess over the very thing I'm allergic to anymore. And it worked. And, um, yeah, I don't think about getting high anymore, and I'm not on that crazy train anymore. So, um, yeah, thanks. Glad I pass. Thanks, 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 thanks. That was awesome. Oops, I just called you Quetus. <laughs> I'm like Quetus. Quetus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. There's the Quetus in here. <laughs> All right. I love Next the we have. <laughs> we have Jane next. Not so plain, Jane. Hi, I'm Jane. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Jane. Jane. Hi, Jane. Hi. Happy to be here. Happy to be sober. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, This is a great reading. Um, I'm glad you picked this one. This is the one that like 100% everybody here can absolutely relate to and have tons of stories to talk about. Um, Yeah, the part that stuck out to me this time was it says... Um, we are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. So when I like decided, like finally, like absolutely, I need to quit drinking. It's time. I'd had this like really scary, like detox experience alone on like my living room couch, and um, I remember thinking like this is unforgettable. There's no way hmm. that I will ever even like the smell of like whiskey is just going to smell like terror to me. There's no way I could ever forget what this feels like. And, um, I was drunk again a week later. Um, I always think about that when I read this sentence and I remember even the time being like, it took, it took a week, like just a week for me to forget. And I truly like, didn't remember what it had felt like even when, when I drank again. Um, another thing that stands out to me about this reading is, um, you know, when I sit down with new people, I will, um, try to get them to talk about their drinking and I'll say like, okay, so you had six months sober, you said, and then you, you drank again. Can you 
tell me what happened. And then they'll like launch into this like 10 minute rant about like, well, my mom did this and then my stepsister did that. And then I was triggered and Mm -hmm. this thing and the other thing. And it always reminds me of this part um, on page 23 where it says, um, in their hearts, they really don't know why they do it. Like, I'm starting to think I just shouldn't, I shouldn't phrase the question that way anymore because I never get an answer that really makes sense. And of course, like, why would that surprise me? Because the book tells us like, you're not, you're not really going to get a straight answer when you ask an alcoholic, if they're the real thing, like why they drank again. Um, I also like that it says, Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. So sometimes I'll talk with a new person and they'll say, I'll be like, what happened the last time you drank? And they'll say like, well, I thought I could stop at one or two. That's a perfectly rational thought for most people. But if you're someone who's been to detox three times, that is not a rational thought for you Mm. in light of the havoc um, that your drinking creates it's not rational to say, I thought I could just stop at one or two. Right. But I remember doing this like before, um, somebody explained step one to me. Um, I, I remember crazy fucking excuses. I would have to drink again. Like there was one time when I said to myself, like, Oh, well, my sobriety date can't be April 1st. Cause I'm the chronic relapser in the group. And, um, if I go up there to get my one year chip, on April Fool's Day, nobody's going to believe me. <laughs> but like, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, that makes it that made sense to me. Even though I'd been like injured at work, like the day previous, because my hands had been shaking. But I was like, no, my sobriety date can't be April first. Um, I also want to say about this this part of the chapter is that um, this is an area where I see the biggest difference between the people who were sponsored through the twelve and twelve and the people who were sponsored of the book. Mm. Um, I can almost diagnose someone who tried to go through the steps in the 12 and 12 when they come to me and they say like, what I really need help with is I need you to explain step one because I'm still drinking. And I think if I understood step one, I wouldn't be drinking anymore. Mm. And um, it's been a while since I've read chapter one in um, step one in the 12 and 12. But I seem to remember that it talks a lot about accepting defeat and surrendering, and it doesn't really explain what alcoholism is. Hmm. Um, and I remember hearing it read out loud at meetings and being like, I don't, okay, I'm, I'm surrendering. And I would be on the phone with people like as an active alcoholic and they'd be like, yeah, you just have to surrender. That's how you stop drinking. And I was like, I don't get it. I think what they meant <laughs> was that if you, if you understand that you're an alcoholic surrender means like you surrender the idea that you can drink safely. So you just stop because obviously like, why would you keep drinking? Um, And that's the biggest difference between step one and the 12 and 12 and step one in the book. Step one in the book is like, it doesn't matter if you know that you're an alcoholic, you're going to drink again because you've lost control. Hmm. Um, Being aware of your situation doesn't make any difference. So um, that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Jane. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. Uh, next, we have our friend Millie. Millie. Does this meeting take a break? Do we take a break in this meeting? Here's <laughs> that one, two, three room. I need a cigarette. It's always a great lead-in before I start to share when somebody asks for a break. (laughs) 
support my kids. <laughs> hey, I'm Millie. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Millie. Hey, Millie. Hey, Millie. Hi, Millie. I used to identify in early meetings as like, hi, I'm Millie, or my actual name, and I have issues. <laughs> so I hated the word alcoholic. <laughs> And I thought I just had that terminal uniqueness that you talk about. I don't know if that's that terms in the book, terminal uniqueness, or if that was like a weird roomism, but I definitely would listen and I would hear and I would just feel so separate from everybody else. And part of it was this kind of messaging. I never really sat down and read the book in the early days. I had that kind of drop in, drop out kind of attendance in meetings. I didn't have a real sponsor, I had a coffee sponsor, and I had that real sense of humiliation that I couldn't stop drinking and then humiliation that I couldn't stop drinking, <laughs> that I couldn't stay stop drinking. That's that weird rock hard place place. Like I felt like I would hear all the isms. I would hear all these room talks and I felt like I was giving it my best shot. I felt like I was putting all my energy into it and I was failing miserably at it. And that all I heard was keep coming back, you know, don't drink no matter what, write your gratitude list, call, you know, pick, pick up the phone before you pick up a drink. And I would fail again and again. And so I had this sense of humiliation for from number one, the consequences of my drinking and how horrible that felt and facing my family and my friends and seeing them be like, why don't you just stop? And then showing up in meetings and having people say, keep coming back. Just don't, why don't you call us? Why don't you reach out and call someone? And I'm like, I'm getting the humiliation on two fronts here. I remember finding it really confusing and lost. And I love the experience of taking these readings today. And I feel them in my body. Like hearing, you know, Velvet Tone Guy read that <laughs> reading at the start. Don't bring in any mini. He's my real name. Yeah, right. Sorry, Velvet Guy. <laughs> Don't look him up. But like hearing that, I felt it in my body. I felt it in my spirit. And I hear it every time. And when I sit down now opposite another alcoholic and I hear them and they hear me, we have this resonant spirit between us. And all of a sudden, that understanding comes in about how I am right now. I don't get the understanding about why. I still don't. I don't know why I was born this way. I don't know why I'm wired how I am. And I have this weird wiring in me that I feel like if I can just understand, I can fix it. Like it's still, I have that in most areas of my life and it failed miserably when it came to alcoholism and why I kept picking up that drink. I didn't understand it and being told, yeah, this is what you do at first wasn't enough for me. I was like, but why? Was I born this way? Is it my parents' fault? That was a nice one to blame. But like, why? Just that obsession with tell me why. And I knew that I had that bodily and mental difference and I would have that look in people's faces where they would look at me and be like, what is wrong with you? Like, what are you? doing like just that real genuine confusion and I remember my dad giving me this really big talk all about this teenage girl who climbed Mount Everest and the way she did it was by suppressing her emotions and just getting through it and I'm like thanks dad that's super helpful and I just having <laughs> like I would be in all these different meetings that weren't you know that weren't AA they were different kinds of like support groups and oh god I was in so much and I had all these I thought I had spiritual tools I had self-help tools I had will tools but I just yes. failed again picking up. I had 
so many tools. And so I'm like, cool, I'm in AA, I'm going to get more tools, more things to remember, more things to do, more things to write on. I've already got a billion things I do. I already wrote a gratitude list before some rando in AA told me to write a gratitude list, which is not in the book. <laughs> but like, I already did that. I already had all those CBT techniques. I already, I thought that I had a massive toolkit. And then all of a sudden I'm presented with this spiritual way. You know, I love that B reminded us about that third solution at the end. Like, that's magic. And that, for me, was when I started seeing those little drops of transformation. And I have that true memory of sitting down with my first sponsor in a creepy church basement. I don't know why, AA, we seem to do creepy church basements well, but we were sitting down. I hadn't showered. I was crying my eyes out. I looked, like, terrible. I felt terrible. But I remember her reading this in her really gentle voice, and she paused along the way and she would talk about her own experience and it was like fuck this is me like I remember just being like you're my people and you get it and it's not just that comfort of like new friends or people that you laugh with it was that comfort of like wow maybe I do make sense and maybe there's another way and there's no underestimating that and we get to be part of that today we get to be part of that community and all of a sudden the stories that I was so ashamed of and wanted to wipe from every memory and every drop of me they become my asset they become that moment when I can sit down with someone and that is truly magical because I truly remember I can feel it in my body right now how different and alone and abnormal I felt how the words don't come into force enough about how horrible it felt to be in that place of I don't know what I'm doing what am I doing this for I can't stop and to be able to sit down with another version of me and to have that man that's just magical I love that we have this community Thanks for asking me to share. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Millie. Yes. Thanks, Thanks Millie. Bye. You're Thanks, welcome. Millie. You are welcome. Uh, <laughs> next, uh, we have uh, we have actually my own coffee sponsor, uh, Hank Parkhurst's cat. Hurts Hurts cats. Hurts Hank Parkhurst's cat. <laughs> I know. Got it. Hey. Nailed it. <laughs> you nailed that one. <laughs> hey, fam. <laughs> Yo, I hate Parkhurst's cat. I hate. It's just a shameless plug, is all it is. <laughs> Wait, who are you? Right. Check him hey, out on Hank. Instagram at, at Hank Parkhurst's success. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, Hank P's cat, uh, grateful recovering alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate Parkhurst's cat. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, everybody has stepped all over what I was going to point to in the reading. Um, so I'm going to try to try to dig in here and find something. But uh, yeah, this is just such a great group, and I'm so grateful to know all of you. I um, just want to be sincere for a second and say that. But uh, they. Um, it says down, I, I want to bring attention to where it says, there is the obsession that somehow, someday, they will beat the game. Mm. Um, and I realized that I realized that some people could read that and think, beat the game. Does that mean overcome my obsession to drink alcohol? Uh, or does that mean drink like a normal person? Because for me, when I read that, the first thing that comes to my mind is drink normally, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I drank, I, I thought I knew why I drank when I, when I started, it was because I was depressed and I had some sort of 
trauma that happened to me when I was younger that caused me to, um, to drink like I did. And, um, I told myself that story for a really long time and, um, you know, made up a lot of alibis as to why I was doing what I was doing. Um, but it wasn't until I had an honest desire, like Tony was saying earlier, I had an honest desire to stop. And I went to AA reluctantly, you know, didn't want to do it, but I went and I said, I would do the things I started to do the things that were suggested. I was going to as many meetings as I possibly could go to. I was, um, you know, just taking every suggestion I could. I got a sponsor. Um, I did a third step prayer. I admitted I was an alcoholic. Um, and I still drank when I sincerely swore to myself that I wouldn't. Um, and having that experience really scared the shit of me. And it, and it made me realize that maybe like I had been approaching this in a different, in the wrong way. And really I haven't, I hadn't looked at a lot of this even before I had done my step, some of my step work. I had just kind of gotten to the steps and, and the, get the guy who was sponsoring me, he, he wasn't really that much of a, uh, of a big book guy. So we didn't go through a lot of this, but he did take me to the directions in the book, you know? Um, and he took me to, to the actions, um, as they're all outlined here. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was after I had began to experience relief through the steps that I was able to go back and look at these chapters and have a full understanding of my condition, you know? Um, but I did know that I, I had sworn to God and to myself that I, that I would stop and I didn't. And, um, the only relief I found was through working the steps and the directions in this book. And, um, you know, that came to me really around the amends process, um, you know, and, you know, it's like explaining the color red to a blind person. You can't describe that level of, um, relief to somebody who doesn't know that it exists. And, uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful that that happened. And, um, so thankful for all of you and I'm going to pass with that. Thanks. Thanks, 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 Hey, Joe Barton. If I look at Hampy, I'm going to break up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the time. How does turning time, your video off make you not see him? <laughs> that sounds like the philosophy of a, of a man who having a headache is yeah. on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. Right? <laughs> Rude. Just laughing it off. Bye, Hank. You're on, Joe. Okay, Joe, alcoholic addict. Joe. Um, yep. The time I read hey, these pages with a sponsor, I was ready to fully accept them because <laughs> it took a long time for me to realize that I was without the power of choice. 
a lot of times I felt like I had the power of choice because I was one of those alcoholics and addicts who was able to put it down for a couple months at a time, uh, six months at a time, sometimes. Other times it was like four hours. But sometimes I was able to do the miserable white knuckling for six months at a time. And being sober without a spiritual solution in my life uh, sucks a whole mountain of gorilla ass. It is just, <laughs> I can't do it. And I, there's a list in chapter three of all the things that a lot of us have tried to control and limit our drinking or to stay abstinent. I tried half the things on that list plus another page that I could write myself. Like so many other people in here touched on, I was in therapy, I was going to the gym, I had a support system, I had good friends and family who wanted me to stay sober. But something would always happen that would bring me back to drink or use again. And like, there's three different things that happen. The first was just that I would hate being sober so much. Mm. Um, it's so miserable to me to be sober again without a solution that... I would just say, fuck this, and I would go out and pick up. The second one that would happen a lot is I would change my mind, and I would convince myself that it was... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I'll boot him when he's talking. <laughs> I convinced myself that it was going to be different. This time, I could just go out and have two drinks and leave it at that, because that's what all my friends did who aren't alcoholics so i could just do the magic trick that they did um despite the mountain of evidence i have from earlier in my life for my entire life that i don't drink like that and then the third thing that would happen is i would just be at a restaurant and somebody would put wine in the glass in front of me and i wouldn't even think to say like oh no no thanks i've quit drinking that defense just didn't come up at all. It's that mental blank spot where I don't even think about it. And I drank the glass and I'm asking for another one hmm. and we're off the races again. And those last few times where I tried to get sober, I just knew, I think on some internal level, I don't think I was ready to admit this to myself intellectually, but on some emotional level in my soul, I knew that I was going to go out and use again. Now I'm comfortably sober. I'm contentedly sober. I don't have that sort of Damocles hanging over me where I feel like I'm going to go out and use again. But it wasn't until I was like ready to fully accept that I have this mind that plays tricks on me, which I don't want to accept because I am a person who has a lot of willpower in certain areas of my life. Like I'm talking Joe Barton. I have really regimented about a lot of things, but when it came to alcohol and drugs, that didn't do anything for me. Um, so it wasn't until that point where I had seen and realized that, that those were the inner workings of my mind where I finally decided to try and do this. I didn't want to do it. Uh, it says on the next page 25 that like none of us wanted to do this shit. Mm. If going to the gym kept me sober, I would like, I love you guys, but I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. I'd be <laughs> at the gym. Um, but 
none of that shit worked. All of the, the pages and pages of things I could write of ways that I tried to stay absent, none of it worked. So I eventually decided to show up and try Spiritual Solution, and thank God I did. Uh, I will pass the debt. Thank you, family. Thank you, Joe Barton. Thank you, Thank Thank you. Joe. Thank you. Joe Barton. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you. Love you, Joe. Uh, all right. Next, we have uh, Ham P, also known as Barack O. Hey. Hello, everyone. My name is Ham P, a.k.a. Barack O, a.k.a. Tristan. I am a recovered alcoholic. Hi, Drug Tristan. Tristan. All of you. Welcome home. Glad you're here. Keep coming back. Is he is he frozen or is he just my name is Ham P. Uh, I am an alcoholic, addict, Gemini, little spoon. Um, all around just great guy. Not Joe Barton. Uh, Add I that to the list. I am. Anyway, um, Gemini. Yeah. Let him share. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the line that uh, Jane touched on. Um, sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the way of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking bout creates. So, so uh, um, the idea of that, you know, I got in a fight with my partner um, doesn't really justify the fact that I went to New York City for three days right before Christmas, you know, drank until I couldn't stand anymore for three days, came back, ruined Christmas, ruined another holiday, ruined another thing. Um, and I couldn't, that was eight months after my first exposure to Alcoholics Anonymous. And the exposure to AA that I got was the rooms. Um, there was, you know, but play the tape all the way through, do all these things. And, you know, like um, the distinguished gentleman Joe Barton was saying, um, if I had the ability to do any of that, I wouldn't be sitting in the room, you know. So now when I work with people um, and I get to there, I'm like, you know, does, you know, the only way that I can work, step one, um, and it says later in this book, the only way I can be sure that I'm an alcoholic is to drink alcohol and then stop um, and try it more than once. So if I'm in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and I, and I ask someone like, hey, if you're unsure, if you're an alcoholic, um, you should try drinking. Um, so when I get to this place with, with people, I'm like, all right. So the way that we take step one is not necessarily, you know, to drink alcohol. That's how you do it. That's how I do it if I'm unsure. Um, when I look back over my drinking history, my career, whatever, my drunk log does, does do these two things match up with my experience um and the idea that i can work this step 100 percent as it's referred to in, in some of our lesser literature um you know i think that's something that's derived from me conceding to my innermost self which i don't even know how you know that would translate to working this step 100 percent um and i certainly don't have to work it every day um i looked over my drinking history with utter failure to control the amount that I took once I started to drink or stay stopped um, when I honestly wanted to stay stopped. Um, based on those two things, all that qualifies me to do is the rest of this program. Um, you know, I've, I sat around in meetings and, you know, took the, um, 
you know, the easier, softer way, which I thought I was taking, which it wasn't the easier, softer way is just to commit to taking the steps. Um, and all I got out of it was drunk. I tried so hard to stay sober, um, tried so hard well, stay sober. Um, I tried so hard to not drink. Um, cocaine was not off the table. Weed was not off the table. Pills, mushrooms, all those things were not off the table. Because, obviously, because I am an alcoholic, and alcohol is my problem. Um, and you know, getting linked up with other recovered alcoholics. If alcohol is my problem, then I'm not an alcoholic. My solution, my program of action is just don't drink. Um, so I tried to just don't drink, and I'm not able to just don't drink on my own power. Um, that power has to come from God. So when I know this thing because i mean i spent forever uh, up until i was 21 and able to purchase alcohol um trying to get alcohol stealing alcohol being really upset when midnight hit and i wasn't able to get alcohol um you know not going down to my breaking into my grandmother's basement and slugging her butterscotch schnapps just to feel like a human again <laughs> um there was always some reason that i needed to take alcohol into my body good bad and different um, it didn't matter so you know, when I'm asked to take step one, I'm just asked to go back over um, these things, go back over my drinking history and see if that lines up to what it says in this book. And if I'm unsure, um, go drink until I'm sure, because there's there's nothing that this program could do for me while I'm still unsure if these two things are true in my life. This is a two-symptom two uh, illness that is treated um, by taking these spiritual exercises, you know, known as 12 steps that that uh get me closer to god you know the, the 12 steps don't relieve the obsession to drink god re relieves the, my obsession to drink through these exercises um so again i uh you know my name is uh ham t aka brock o aka tristan aka working my jelly um i'm i'm a recovered alcoholic drug addict gemini little spoon all-around great person Dipson and um, i'm also <laughs> I'm all, uh, yeah, and I'm also a close talker. So thanks so much, fam. Um, if there's anyone that needs a ride home from the meeting, uh, don't ask me. Ask Max C. Thanks so much. Hey. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Thank you, Hamburger P. Uh, well so said. Humble. Well said. So, so, so well humble. said. Uh, next we have uh, Sylvia. Sylvia, you're up. Uh, thank you. Hi, my name is Sylvia. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Hey, Sylvia. What's up? What's up? Um, it's really hard. Mm, I mean, Sylvia. you guys' shares have been just phenomenal. Um, I was yeah. thinking about one of the things that was very helpful to me. It probably took me way too long to understand that an obsession is a persistent thought. And I am obsessed with the very thing that is going to kill me the fastest. Um, so once that obsession, like if I am sick, once that obsession takes hold of me, like it might be two minutes, it might be two days, or it might be two years, but that obsession ends in a drink. It ends in me picking up a drink. And when I was able to really understand that, right? Like in, in my step one, that I am fucked. I realized that that one of those paths is final destination. You know what I mean? That one day at a time, that's what that means to me. I wake up, I fight, 
you know, I evade death in one situation and then I'm off fighting it, you know, for the rest of my life, every day for the rest of my life. And when I got here, I knew that I did not have that in me. I was already exhausted. I was already to the end of myself. I had evidence that like, this wasn't about my willpower. You know, this wasn't something that I could control. And so, you know, as closed off as I was to the idea of like God and like a spiritual solution and all that, I'm like, show me what you got, you know, even if it's only so I can like make fun of it, prove you wrong, whatever. That's what opened me up to being here. And by taking the 12 steps, I recovered. I haven't thought about alcohol in I don't know how long. So thank you guys for letting me share. Yeah. Thanks, Sylvia. Uh, thank you, Sylvia. That was awesome. Cletus thank is next. You. Go ahead, Cletus. Cletus. <laughs> I am an alcoholic. My problem is Cletus. Hello, I'm really uh What's up? Glad I could uh go last so I can like um tell my like, you know, just hundreds of proteges just fast forward to the end. I'm gonna send this all to them and say, you know, I'll just skip all the other stuff. I'm at the very end, but but uh, buckle up, you know. <laughs> um yeah, you know, I uh this is this is this is not smooth proof. This is a great great experience because I um I never outside of you um I've never seen anyone who had shared the same experience as me get well. Hmm. Everyone I everyone else I knew was able to like hit their bottom or like I was just I was tired. I was tired of running, you know, or whatever. Um, and I'll, and I compared myself to that all the time. And I would go back to the same spots, go back to the same spots. I went to a couple different states, you know, a couple, you know, multiple times back to those areas because I'm like, that's where I gotta go. That's where I gotta go. It was always the same experience. Um, ending up in some crazy scenario, like at a waking up like barefoot at a you know, public detox. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like where am I? Um in another different state and this went on forever. Um it's 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 it this I uh, no matter I hadn't I, I remember I did I think I've told you this before is like I had this like page four seventeen experience that was very real. G like get you know, some, get some, <laughs> get some G. I know it was like <laughs> I, I I don't even know. It was probably thirteen roughly like thirteen years before I got sober, I had this experience where I was like, Holy fuck page 417 like this you know this night shift guy showed me it um anyways i left early i did the next day but i fun. i had this experience at home i go back to my parents house they're terrified this is not you know the first and i'm like listen to this and i have this book for the you know and i'm reading page 417 like oh yeah 13 years of misery followed that like hmm. oh, fucking God. and countless, 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 countless. So it's like, um, I've had too 
many moments to I don't know how many ex- real experiences, tears to my eyes in a terrible position, freedom gone, health crises, all that stuff. They're not sufficient. Hmm. They do not matter. I have been done and meant it. I I don't remember any of my life, none of the horrific experiences, none of that stuff. Um, before I take my first drink, it's gone. Um, it's always met with a long face by somebody. They're baffled, confused. And um, I'm, I am too, but I'm confused as to why they're confused. What's the issue? And this is, so this is drawn out. It's all this shit. And um, I, so up until the point where all of a sudden I have done one through nine all long hmm. in this span of, I don't know how long. Um, and then, you know, I do it with, um, I do it very quickly. Don't remember anything I wrote in four. Um, but then someone, but I, something, all of a sudden it was like, here's 84 through 88. And this is the, I never was shown a continuation portion. Like the spiritual life is not a fucking theory. Like, we need to do this and the only way this is never going to come back is this thing has to be removed and never i and i did i um i I just had an experience um i don't know uh, maybe a month or two into 10 11 and 12 where i had a uh a profound like it's gone Hmm. like i didn't it was just removed and since doing those things and having God, this relationship with God and sponsoring other people and having that my main priority um, in AA, um, yeah, the drink problem hasn't returned. Nothing about me has changed. You know, like I just say four, three, eight, my life, like uh, outside looking in, nothing changed. All of a sudden, I had this profound experience. My life takes off, but all I've done is 84 through 88. God just removed this thing, and I now we get to see all these people recover. It's been, um, this is incredible shit. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, thank you, guys. It's awesome. Thank you, Cletus. Thanks, Cletus. Cletus, showing us that the most important word in step one is truly Clee. Uh, <laughs> Finally, we have, uh, I think our last chair is <laughs> Ursula. It's a cleat so, us Ursula. <laughs> Ursula. 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 Hey, Ursula. Yeah, it's, What's up? Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah, it's a cleat us, not a cleat me program. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really felt that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, my name is Ursula neighbor i think and i am a recovered alcoholic i'll be the same all right Uh, welcome home my face is hurting from just giggling so much i just have to say because yeah this has just been so beautiful you're all amazing i feel so honored to be here with you all um and like sometimes i just have to pause and think like all of us 
you know, our lives were saved. We we were, you know, I'm sure at some point or another, just dirt bags in, <laughs> and and look at us, just little sparkly humans, just loving life. Yeah, so cool. Um, yeah, honestly, don't know what else I could say. You've all said all the things. Um, yeah, and it's it's really only in hindsight that I can. You know, I can identify all these things in my own drinking because my my drinking career was relatively short. Um, but, you know, like once I really understood these concepts, I could see it so clearly in my own behaviour. You know, like Ted said, um, people talked about <clears throat> the allergy and once, once you start drinking, you can't stop. Um, but yeah, what that looked like for me was I just changed my mind. I I had set out to just have a couple of drinks and then for whatever reason, I changed my mind and, and it was fully justified. And, um, you know, I was fully okay with that decision in that moment. Um, you know, no matter how I felt, maybe like half an hour ago, um, you know, and, and they talk about, they use, they use the term subtle insanity, hmm. which I think, you know, hit, hit home for me because it is subtle. It's not obvious. There's not all of a sudden like this loudspeaker in my head saying, okay, time to drink, let's go. <laughs> like it's it's subtle and it's, um, you know, and, and, and the thing that, that clicked for me, you know, trying to understand this obsession idea, you know, because of course, if you're allergic to something, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ingest it anymore. Like I had a, I had a friend um, in my teen years who was allergic to alcohol, like had an actual, you know, like reaction to it, like a person would to a food allergy. So she just never drank and she would come out to parties with us and it wasn't ever a problem. She didn't have to justify herself or anything like that. Um, but for me, for some reason, you know, like I had to, I had to justify it. I had to, um, yeah, the thing that made sense for me was whether it was in the forefront of my mind or in the back of my mind. Alcohol was always on my mind. It was in there somewhere, you know, whether I was trying to figure out when would I drink next, with whom, how much, or like, um, or how can I manage it this time? Mm. How can I reduce the consequences that I know are going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen, but how can I try and put some sort of barriers between me and the bad stuff that's going to happen, you know, like losing my things or getting in fights or, you know, ending up in random places in dangerous situations. Like I, I just, I was always trying to control it. And then in sobriety too, I was trying to control it. You know, I made, I made my life really small mm. when I first came into AA, I cut off contact with almost everyone. I pretty much just went to meetings. Um, and yeah, I tried to just really pad myself from alcohol um, because I had at least come to this place where I was like, okay, well, I 
I can't drink and I can't stop myself from drinking. So how can I best protect myself from alcohol? Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, really getting, you know, that the mental state, I thought that meant that I just had to figure it out. You know, if it's a mental problem, I need to understand it. I need to have, you know, more counselling. It's all about my trauma. It's all about, um, yeah, all about my triggers. Um, but it's not a thing that I can figure out at all. Um, and actually, that's just such a relief because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not my burden it's not my job you know and I think that the thing that really breaks my heart um and I've heard a lot of you share it here as well just you know that that time whether it's short or long in AA that happens for a lot of people where it, there's still this confusion about what the problem is and what the solution is the solution is not having a complete understanding of this. Um, you need a complete understanding of this to convince you to accept the solution and then propel you into the work mm. that needs to be done. Um, yeah, I, I hear it so often here, you know, like people will start doing the steps or going to lots of meetings and then they drink again. And so they're told, go back to step one. Obviously you've missed something. Mm. Obviously you don't get it. Obviously you don't really want it bad enough, but it's step one. There's 11 more steps. Just keep going. Mm. Um, so if there's anyone on here listening who is frustrated or confused or feels like they're a special kind of broken because I felt like I was a special kind of broken for a really long time. <laughs> um, just find someone who will take you through all the steps in a, in, you know, it's not complicated. Um, it's, it just requires a bit of effort and a bit of honesty. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got to say. I just love you all so much. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. I'll take another 24. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Ursula. Ursula. Let's Thanks, go. You take so another 48. Oh. <laughs> no fronts. Amazing. No fronts. No fronts. All right. Back. I have now asked Leia to explain what a sponsor is. We ask that anyone listening who is in need of a sponsor or who would like to know more about what a sponsor is, please contact the podcast so we can get you linked up with one of these people or just give you some more info. Take it away, Leah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> after Ursula's uh, share, um, I mean, if you haven't listened to that, go back <laughs> and listen to it. But um, yeah, she touches on uh, I guess just the basis of what a sponsor is. There is a short and a long explanation, but we've been here two hours, and the long explanation is involves a lot of what a sponsor is not. <laughs> so I'll just go with the short version, which is a sponsor is someone who takes you through the 12 steps from the big book, relays their experience 
with the steps as they were taking them. And also something to watch out for is a person who is practicing daily their 10 and 11 step. Mm. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Leah. All right. Thank you, everyone. And in closing, I have asked Ted to read an excerpt from page 164 from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you. As the chairman of the front porch of your heart committee mm. uh, today, <laughs> and yeah, this is from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, amen. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Too much giggling, but thank you. Too much giggling. I love you guys. I love you guys. Who can I bomb a cigarette from? (laughs) Circle up. Can I get a ride home? All of his vapes. Well, I thought they were battery charges. Or do you want a lucky strike? I got a couple left. It's looking low. Jesus Christ, bud. I got a ride home. I only smoked menthols. This has been a podcast greater than yourself. A podcast greater than yourself was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.